Welcome. If we haven't met before, my name is Callum Lindsay, and I'm one of the pastors here at HP Prayers. Happy Pentecost! Yeah, wonderful. Woo! Yeah, I see a number of you have got, got your red on, uh, just to, as the liturgical color, which is wonderful, representing the Holy Spirit. Because as we heard, the, uh, Pentecost is when the church around the world remembers the coming of the Holy Spirit, who Jesus had promised to his disciples before he ascended to heaven. And in many ways, it's the birthday of the church. We get quite excited uh, here at 3821 Boulevard that, that our church, or this church building, is, is just over 90 years old. Um, the church of Jesus Christ today is 1,900 and 90 years old. So happy birthday, church. I won't make you sing happy birthday. So what is special about Pentecost? If Christmas is God with us, and Easter is God for us, then Pentecost is God in us. Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to be in us so that everyone might experience a relationship with him and know his love. We all long to be embraced by the Father. Um, This is a picture of of my little son, Philip, um, embracing him. That's, That's what we all long to be with God. We long to be closer to him, that having that ongoing, loving relationship, which is ultimately found in our Heavenly Father. Because we all have a longing for more. We have a longing for more of God. On Alpha, the first talk is um, about this. Is there more to life than this? Because we want to address at the very beginning that most of us are not satisfied with our spiritual lives. And we want to create a place where we can talk about that openly and honestly. The latest Barna research uh, showed that uh, three in every four Americans are open to growing in their faith, whatever uh, that it may be, which suggests that they know that there's something more to be had. Vaughan Roberts puts it like this, for those of us who know our Bibles, we know that we have everything we need in Christ, but it's pretty obvious to ourselves and others that we aren't living in light of all we have received in Christ. If you want to read a great book about the Holy Spirit, this one by Simon Ponsonby is great. It's called More, How You Can Have More of the Spirit When You Already Have Everything in Christ. It's, it's really easy to read and very helpful. But Simon uh, points out this, that we need to keep desiring and longing for more of God. And, and to do so is a sign of spiritual health. Um, and if we don't, something is wrong. He said, we recognize that a marriage when one partner no longer desires intimacy, is in trouble. That a baby who no longer wants to eat is sick. And that a bird who no longer wants to fly is crippled. And so we must recognize that a Christian who no longer wants to know, grow, see, hear, touch, serve, and love, and be changed by God, is also in trouble, is sick, and is crippled. That's hard to hear. I don't know about you, but that challenges me. I know there are areas of my spiritual life that are not as they should be. Billy Graham once wrote this. Everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. They're hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not all that they expected, and they often have recurring defeat in their lives. Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need of the nation today 
is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so if the solution is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, what does that mean for us? What does it look like? And so today we're going to look at who is the Holy Spirit. We're going to hear about that first Pentecost. And then we're going to see, hear what it, it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in fact, a definition of, the, of a Christian is someone who is led by the Spirit. And led by the Holy Spirit is, is, is the title of our new um, sermon series, our short uh, four-part series. And we're going to dig deeper on what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit and look at what it means to walk in the Spirit, how not to grieve the Spirit, how we can keep in step with the Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? I didn't grow up in a home uh, where faith or religion was talked about much or particularly valued. Um, and I would go to church with my uncle, but I didn't really understand what it was all about. I'd describe it more as churchianity than Christianity. I don't know if that rings true for any of you. But when I went to university, I started to meet people who talked about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit as if, as if they knew him. And it was, they, they, they were passionate about God. And I was going, oh, that's a bit weird. But I'd not really thought much about the Holy Spirit. And I was exploring faith. And so my friends invited me on Alpha. Uh, and we also run Alpha here at HB Prayers, starting again in September. And if anyone wants to explore or re-explore their faith, it's a great place. We'll be starting in September. But on Alpha, I remember hearing all this stuff about the Holy Spirit that I had never heard of before. That the Holy Spirit is the third distinct member of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost, as we've just sung, an old-fashioned word for the same person. The Holy Spirit's been described as the personal love between the Father and the Son, who also makes that love known to us, that embrace. And the role of this love is to point us to Jesus. I remember being surprised um, that, the, that the Holy Spirit is all the way through the pages of the Bible. From the very beginning, the first page of Genesis, uh, when the Spirit hovered over the, water, the, the waters in creation, till the very last page in Revelation, um, where the Spirit and the bride say, Come, let one who is thirsty come, take the free gift of the water of life. And all the way through the Bible, we learn that the Holy Spirit is not an it, an impersonal sort of Star Wars force, unknowable force. The Holy Spirit is a person, a he. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. Can you say that with me? The Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. If you ever catch me refer to the Holy Spirit as an it, you can throw things at me, ask me to take you for coffee, whatever it is. Because the Holy Spirit does things that a person does. He leads us. He walks with us. He speaks to us. He lives in us forever. He teaches us. He helps us to pray. He comforts us and so much more. And if we were to ever wonder what the personality of this Holy Spirit is like, the Holy Spirit is like Jesus. It's important to note that every Christian, every one of us who calls ourselves a Christian, has the Holy Spirit living within them. Paul says in Ephesians 1, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. But it is possible to be a Christian and not be filled with the Holy Spirit, as we're going to hear about later. 
But first, let's look at that very first Pentecost, when we first learn of the disciples being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is Acts 2, starting at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Before he descended to heaven, Jesus had told his disciples not to get working or get busy or make disciples. He said, wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And it had been 10 days of gathering together in the temple and in homes, praying and waiting, waiting and praying, praying and waiting. And then suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It was clear that something powerful uh, was, and wonderful was going on, and the visible symbols would not be lost on the disciples. In the Bible, the Hebrew word for wind or breath is ruach. It's also the same word for spirit. When the Spirit of God fills someone, it's often like the breath of God filling them, like energy. Sometimes people even sway when they've been prayed for by the Spirit. The tongues of fire, fire in the Bible represents the power, the passion, and the purity of God. I've known people that when they've been prayed for, filled with the Holy Spirit, that they sense heat, even though they know the temperature has not changed around them. Back to the passage. Because it was a big Jewish festival. Um, There were Jews coming from all over the known world to worship in Jerusalem. And they would have all understood Aramaic, which was the local language. But what was incredible was that when they came together, they started to hear their own languages from where they were from being spoken. And when they heard this sound, they came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. They exclaimed, when we hear them declaring, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. There's so much more we could say on the gift of tongues, but here it gave a supernatural unity in the commonality of language. This is a glorious reversal of the confusion of Babel, a gathering where everyone across the world is heard and understood. And it obviously sounded pretty wild, because in verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Which is a great question, which we're going to explore. However, some of them made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. And then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. This was an hour before the fast would have been broken. Basically, Peter's saying, hold on a minute. You're trying to give a natural human explanation for something that is supernatural and is from God. This was not an intoxication with wine, but what one of the early church fathers, Bishop Ambrose, described as the sober intoxication of the spirit. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? I think we all could have some of that. It's the only intoxication that doesn't leave you with a hangover. So that's, it's always a good one for that. In fact, Peter goes on to tell them that, this, that what's going on, in short, he says, this is biblical. He says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Peter makes it clear that the same Holy Spirit that Jesus and the scriptures, which of course were actually authored by the Holy Spirit, had told them about, were finally here. That Joel's prophecy had become true. The Holy Spirit's now present, being poured out on everyone with no restriction of gender or age or experience or social status. Because up till this point in Scripture, i.e. all the way through the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit had only come upon particular people at particular times for particular purposes. But now the Holy Spirit is for everyone. And I didn't really need to go into the Greek for this one. All means all. It means everyone. It means you. It means me. Every single one of us, the Holy Spirit is for us. Everyone who calls upon the Lord, which is a good thing. Shockingly, Jesus actually told us that it was better for us that he die so that everyone at all times might experience a relationship with him through the Holy Spirit. Because being filled with the Holy Spirit is not like an optional extra if you want to be a Christian, like it's only for the special, supercharged Christians that take things way too seriously. That's not the case. If we use the analogy of buying a car, um, it's not, the Holy Spirit's not like optional sort of um, air-conditioned seats or Dolby surround sound and screens in the back for the kids. No. It's more like the Holy Spirit is the gasoline or electricity if you drive an electric car, I know. Um, but it, every car needs propelling energy. And every Christian needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if God pours out his spirit on all people, then how and what does this look like for you and me trying to live out life following Jesus here in Dallas in 2023? Let's look at another place where we can learn about being filled with the spirit. And if you want to turn there before we get there, it's Ephesians 5, starting at verse 18, but just if you want to get ready. In Acts 19, there's a description of where Paul first met the Ephesians uh, he's writing to. They were believers, but they didn't know about the Holy Spirit. And we're told he laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues and prophesied, just like had happened at Pentecost. But that obviously wasn't supposed to be a one-off thing, because he writes to them years later, and he says this. This is Ephesians 5, starting at verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Here again is that link with drunkenness and being filled with the Spirit remember that some of the folk at Pentecost had said, they've had too much wine. We're back to the sober intoxication of the Spirit. There are countless writings from the early church fathers all the way um, through history that illustrate this theme, alternating between the comparison and the contrast of physical intoxication and spiritual intoxication. Both, they say, bring gladness, make us forget our sorrows, and make us leave our senses. The famous British preacher and medical doctor, Martin Lloyd-Jones, pointed out that alcohol, pharmacologically speaking, is a depressant. It depresses us. 
But he said, if it were possible to put the Holy Spirit into a textbook of pharmacology, I would put him under the stimulants, for that is where he belongs. He really does stimulate. He stimulates our every faculty, the mind and the intellect, the heart and the will. Do you notice he calls him he? He said he. Raniero Cantalamassa has written several incredible books on the Holy Spirit, and he puts it this way. While physical intoxication makes a man staggering and unsteady, spiritual intoxication makes a man steady at doing good. While the first makes a man leave his senses to live below the level of reason, the other makes a man leave his senses to live above the level of reason, experience true spiritual ecstasy. The first is an intoxication of sin. The second is an intoxication of grace. I love that. An intoxication of grace. That's what I need. In the early chapters of Acts, we see a number of times that the same apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the practical implication for Christians, for you and me and all Christians, is that we're to keep our lives open to be filled constantly and repeatedly by the Holy Spirit. And in the original Greek, this is somewhere that it's helpful, that this phrase, be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's made clear in the Greek very quickly. The verb to be filled is actually in the imperative, which means it's a command. It's not just a suggestion, like maybe. It's no, you must be filled. It's in the plural, which means it's for the whole community. It's not just for a particular subject. And it's mean, it means for, for you all. Y'all, I still can't say y'all. I've been here for seven years and I still can't say it properly, so I'm just not going to bother. But it is for you all. So it's in the passive, which means that. That the Holy Spirit is the one that's doing the action. That we can prepare ourselves, but ultimately the Holy Spirit is the one who's doing the work. But then it's in the present continuous tense, which means it's not just a one-off event, but to be continually repeated. So maybe a more dynamic translation of the phrase, be filled with the Spirit, might be that you all allow yourselves to go on being filled with the Spirit again and again and again and again. When somebody is habitually filled with the Spirit, something happens. They look different. Um, I had friends at university who just looked different. There was something special about them, and I didn't know what it was. And I eventually learned it was the Holy Spirit. It was that sense like they were almost shining. And I I see that in, in so many of you. For this last section, I want us to very quickly look at what Paul says happens when the Holy Spirit fills us. There are four very basic discipleship practices that when filled with the Holy Spirit are transformed. Raniero puts it best, the the Holy Spirit doesn't change anything, and yet he changes everything. And so being filled with the Spirit changes our worship, our prayer, our outlook in thankfulness, and our attitude of submission. And it's not just that the Holy Spirit changes these things, but these are also practices that as we enter into them, the Holy Spirit meets us and fills us as we do them. So let's look at them now. And this following in that passage. First is being filled with the Spirit changes how we worship in verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This does not mean that we have to talk to one another in hymn lyrics. 
Um, we don't have to say, morning has broken every time we say, well, you can just say, good morning. Or uh, Kitty had this one, you, rather than um, saying, you don't have to say, you shall go out, enjoy. You can just say, goodbye. Um, instead, this phrase, I think, means that in all our interactions together, whether in church or in our homes, should be honoring as if we were in worship to God. Our gatherings should be energized by the filling of the Holy Spirit. Greg Hobbs often says that the most important choir at HB Prayers is the congregation. That's you. So true. We're made to lead each other in spirit-filled worship. And all the way through the Bible and history, singing has always had a great place in the church's life and worship. And every new movement of the Spirit has brought a fresh outburst of song and creativity. Second, being filled with the Spirit changes how we pray, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. In other words, prayer. And what that reminds me of is, is that, that when we pray, we're actually worshiping as well. And when we're worshiping, when we're singing, we, we are actually praying to God. And we've been going through this wonderful series on prayer. We've just finished uh, sermon series, and uh, we, uh, make that I, <laughs> need all the help I can get. But the most effective way to get better in prayer is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. As Paul says in Romans 8, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I made the step of becoming a Christian in February 1993 almost on the strength of a dare of prayer. I remember it was, at a, it was a university mission, and the speaker finished by saying, I urge you to commit yourself to Jesus and invite him to fill you with his spirit, even if you, you're not quite sure about it. And he said, I, I want you to then take one week daring God to show up and, and acting as if it was real. And then he said, if, come back and tell me in a week's time if it hasn't made a difference. And I thought, challenge accepted. I was trying to, I was wrestling with God. I didn't really want to become a Christian. But I, 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 was, I finally went, okay, I'm going to try this just to prove him wrong. But that week I actually felt something different. When I went to church on Sunday, it was different. My prayer life felt, rather than suddenly from feeling like I was talking to a wall, felt that I was t talking to the Lord. I also had a joy and a thankfulness and a, like a burden lifted from me and a love for others I had just not had before. And there have been so many ups and downs in my spiritual walk, but I have never looked back from that time where I dare God to show up. So if you're struggling to connect with God in prayer or worship, dare the Holy Spirit to show up. Thirdly, being filled with the Holy Spirit will change our outlook. Verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thankfulness is the greatest antidote to cynicism and hard-heartedness. And it is a vehicle for allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Um, we can thank God for all the incredible gifts he's given us, for the creation, cross, his grace, redemption, and that, that just starts to prime the pump for our family, our friends, our, the food, our church, whatever it is. It's probably one of the most immediately life-giving spiritual practices that I know. And 
it just notice that we're to pr- in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not supposed to give indiscriminate praise. Like, we're not supposed to praise God for that, earth, that uh, avalanche in Pakistan. No, we, we align with the Lord Jesus Christ. But we praise God for his being God amidst tragedies and difficulties. And then four, being filled with the Holy Spirit can change our attitude. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. As, we're fill, as we are filled with Christ, our attitudes are transformed. We are to increasingly manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And submission and humility are a mark of the Spirit. Some may claim to be filled with the Spirit, but if they're harsh and aggressive and self-promoting, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's been said that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He only comes in when he's invited. The main role of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is humility personified. Later sections of Ephesians makes it clear that the Spirit's activation and energizing of worship and prayer, thanksgiving and submission, it's not just a churchy thing. It's not just for Sundays. This prayer, this Holy Spirit working in our prayer and in our worship and in our thankfulness and in our, just our submission to one another and to God. That then we see in later on in uh, Ephesians, it's in, in everything we do. In our, it talks about in our marriages, in our parenting, in our employment, all of where we are called to live out being filled with the Spirit 24-7, 52 weeks a year. We're to call to be in that way of, of submission. This is the way of the cross, denying ourselves and submitting because that is what Christ did for us. In fact, the most powerful way we can make ourselves open to the Holy Spirit is have an attitude of profound, sincere humility before God. No one can come to Pentecost save through Easter. So if we are to be led by the Spirit, we need to be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is the fuel for the Christian life. So would you like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I was praying about how we should respond and invite the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh. And I came across the, this liturgy for Pentecost uh, from the Church of England. And as I was given a dare to, to try walking as a Christian, this litany dares us to be filled with the Spirit in the way of the New Testament. So please would you stand with me. And I'm, I'm going to ask you these questions As part of God's church here in Dallas, I call upon you to live out what you proclaim. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you dare to walk into God's future, trusting him to be your guide? By the Spirit's power, we will. Will you dare to embrace each other and grow together in love? We will. Will you dare to share your riches in common and minister to each other in need? We will. Will you dare to carry the light of Christ into the world's dark places and to your family and friends? Will you dare to pray for each other and worship until your hearts beat with the longings of God? Will you dare to ask the Holy Spirit for more of himself and to fill you afresh? 
come, Holy Spirit. Let's wait on the Lord for a moment. And I don't know, sometimes if you want to put your hands out in front of you, it's just a, it's a small symbol of just saying, God, I want to receive from you. I want to have more from you. It's the opposite of, God, I dare you to fill me. Saying, God, I, I want to receive from you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, fill us afresh. Lord Jesus, we invite you, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Lord, I pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit on each of us and on us as a community in the days ahead. Lord, we long to be filled with your Holy Spirit over and over and over again. We need you desperately. You have so much more for us. Come, Holy Spirit. And we believe that you are going to meet us as we worship, as we pray, as we're thankful, as we submit to one another out of reverence for you. And we've heard that one of the ways that the Holy Spirit energizes us is through our worship. So let us invite the Holy Spirit to fill our worship and song as we respond to him. Let's do that now.